We build even the motherland, Ireland. No masses throughout the entire country. It's ridiculous. Why can't bishops just stand up? Need stronger shepherds. Yeah, in America, there's so much dispensation all over the country. Where are the bold shepherds? It's just ridiculous. Amazing. Yeah, it's just... Okay. Bishop Strickland, it's good to mm-hmm. see you. Your Excellency. Good to see you. Welcome to the one-to-one podcast. Welcome back to the one-to-one podcast Kevin Wells with your Excellency Bishop Joseph Strickland Bishop Strickland it's, it's it's actually an honor to have you here with with us today thanks Kevin glad to be here so so viewers father Dan is uh, giving a retreat this week to dozens of sisters and he started a good bit of traveling so he's relinquished his role as co-host so we decided to bring in uh, the big guns. We, ha- we, we, have, we have the good bishop from Tyler, Texas. Uh, and it's really a thrill to be with you again. So Bishop Strickland and I met a few years ago, uh, actually down in his diocese in Tyler, Texas. So we've uh, we sort of gotten to know each other. And, and, I, and I really couldn't be more thrilled to, for uh, Bishop Strickland to be here for, for really this reason. Uh, Father Dan had been, and I have been kicking around the idea that that Father Al Schwartz in Priest and Beggar has been called bold. Sure, he was holy, he was Marian, he was Eucharistic, uh, he loved the poor, obviously we know that, but he was bold. And uh, you think of bold nowadays, and sometimes you think of Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Texas. So so we're, we're gonna jump right in. Now I think of him as, as, a, as a charming bishop, uh, loves the Eucharist, loves Mary, um, He's an Exodus 90 man. He just goes after it. But also, uh, over the years, Bishop Strickland, really the past couple of years, I've seen that sometimes you've, you've come out with some very beautiful but really very bold things. Is, is that the role of the Good Shepherd? Is that the role of the bishop? Well, Kevin, I, I believe it is. Um, as we were talking earlier, I am reading a book called From... Christendom to apostolic mission. And we live an apostolic faith. We, we say that on Sunday. One holy Catholic and apostolic. And if you look at the apostles and the Blessed Virgin Mary and that the earliest very beginnings of what we know as the church, um, they were bold people and all of them. And we've seen that you can see that through the ages with some of our favorite saints. They were bold people. And there's not a lot of encouragement of that in the world today. There's so much about politically correct and, and sort of being nuanced. Bold, a lot of times, isn't very nuanced. It's simply, this is the truth that makes my life have meaning. And I feel compelled to share it with others. 
we see that kind of boldness from the apostles, from the earliest church, from some of the great bishops through the ages, the martyrs, priests, um, all the saints. So being bold, I believe we really need to, to grasp that as, as one of the qualities of being a faithful Catholic in the world today. Agreed. Why is boldness, why is that word bold a, a, a seemingly, it's a four-letter word nowadays. Why? What, what, the Good Shepherd, you're right, Bishop Strickland, it, um, it, it's necessary. Well, it's interesting. As you ask that question, what popped into my mind is there's another four-letter word, true. And people don't like the truth. I've reflected a lot since, once again, during Holy Week, we hear Pilate ask that question. What is truth? He's asking, truth incarnate, what is truth? The world asks that question with a similar arrogance that I hear in Pilate's tongue. He's the, you know, the representative of Rome, the power in the world, speaking to this lowly man that's causing problems. Um, Truth is bold. To know the truth makes us bold. Again, you can look at so many figures in the church, Father Al and so many before him and hopefully after. Um, so it, it's all tied together. And we need, bold means clarity, it means strength. And what brings that clarity and strength is to know what's true. Very well said, Your Excellency. I, you know, I think about boldness and, and truth and, and let's, let's get down to it. Um, what happens when you're bold, when you articulate, when you, when you speak out on Father James Martin by name, or when you speak out about you know, complications with the vaccine uh, and that fetal tissue is used, or when you speak out really, um, and, and I was, I was, I was uh, taken aback that, that really you cannot be a Democrat and be Catholic. That's bold. In, in today's world where boldness is lacking, you, you read that and you, and you see John the Baptist in the Judean wilderness. You see Thomas More, take off my head if you must. But it seems, it seems although again, you're Marian, you're Eucharistic, you're the Good Shepherd, you're, you're pretty darn bold. So the question is, what happens? What's the response for you when you do come out as the shepherd must? Well, Kevin, I'd have to say that you certainly get a, a lot of pushback and say you can't say that or you're totally wrong but also a lot of support a lot of people saying thank you for speaking boldly or or clearly as i began to really compelled by the holy spirit that's the only uh, credit that i can give it's the holy spirit working through me as i have taken on the role of being a shepherd of being a bishop I, I really kind of shied away from the idea that I was being bold. As I've said to people, I'm just reading the catechism out loud. That's bold. But I'm, I'm beginning to recognize I do need to be bold because it is considered to be bold. When, when I speak and say, how can we allow a, a priest to travel the nation speaking things that are contrary to what the catechism says, what the tradition of our Catholic faith says. And that, sadly, there are many instances of that. And uh, so it is considered to be bold 
to, to speak that truth. But if we look at Christ himself, he was crucified because he was bold. He was bold enough to speak of his own father as God. He was bold enough to say, you must eat my body and drink my blood in order to have life in you. That's pretty bold. The Blessed Virgin Mary, we probably don't think of her as bold, but with her and St. Joseph that I've been reflecting on a lot with the year of St. Joseph, and as you said, I'm proud to be, to call myself, I mean, I'm not there, but I'm on the path of being a Marian bishop um, because Mary is at the heart of the church. She was a bold woman, a real woman. You know, we have all the issues about roles of men and women in the world today and how those sin tend to blur. There's no blur there. A real woman and a real man are the bold people who live the truth and face the challenges that the world throws at them. If we look at Mary through that lens, she was a bold and strong woman. Even the young woman that said yes to the Son of God being conceived in her womb. Um, and then all through, in my prayer and reflection, in, in the presence of the Eucharist and reflecting on Mary always there with Christ, she was bold all along the way, even in those hidden years. We don't know the stories of Joseph and Mary being bold, but we, we know in the earlier time of protecting him, of Mary hearing that a sword would pierce her heart. She didn't run away from it. She boldly embraced it. And we need saints today. We're all called to saintly lives, and we need to be bold about embracing. And it's joyful. It's good news. It's not some burden that you just have to slog through. It liberates people from the darkness that is oppressive to so many people in the world today. Very good. Beautifully put, uh, Your Excellency. I think about um, Mary. And you think about the beloved apostle, beloved John, who walked the end of the line and stood by Mary under the cross. So that was a bold thing to do. Um, but, but I wonder with, with how you've taken on the identity as the good shepherd, as the bishop to your flock and Tyler, um, I, I've seen some of the vitriol that's come your way. I've seen some of the stuff. I've heard some of the stuff. How does a bishop um, work a 14, 16 hour day do the work that a bishop does, go to bed at night and you're like, man, I was just, I'm exhausted because I was just beaten up all day. What, what empowers you? What, what gives you the strength to say, I, I, I'm going to take it on again tomorrow and I'm just going to speak prophetically. Where do you gain your strength to, to keep going into this world, this, this modernism to say, no, I got to proclaim? Very simple answer, Kevin. Our Eucharistic Lord, that Praying in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, really there in the presence of the consecrated host in a monstrance. I, I really love what we call adoration. Certainly praying before a tabernacle, he's in there, and, and that's a beautiful place to pray, but I really gravitate toward actual adoration um, because, as I've told people, he's my power source. I couldn't do this. I couldn't survive this without constantly returning to him and to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and I'm reading a book right now that is just day by day reflections on the Eucharist. There's some beautiful, through the ages, 
from the earliest centuries to recent centuries. Writings of popes, writings of saints, writings of mystics, but beautiful imagery of, and one of the things that's really captured my attention recently is how Mary is always there. She was always there when Christ was on earth. Christ is still on earth in the real presence, body and blood, soul and divinity. And Mary is, is there with him. And to, to acknowledge that presence of Mary gives me a lot of strength. So you're probably familiar with, I mention this all the time, the, uh, the vision of St. John Bosco, the church in a terrible storm and the pillars, the anchor pillars are the Eucharistic Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Those are my, my anchor pillars personally. Without them, <laughs> there's no way I could continue to oppose some of my own brothers in, in the church, certainly the world, the government. Um, there, there's much opposition to the truth, and I don't claim to have a corner on it, but the church does. And I think we have to boldly say, we believe that God has revealed truth to us. And the church is the font of that truth because Jesus Christ established it. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is it without corruption? Absolutely not. Terrible corruption through the ages and right now in our time. But we need to be bold enough to say, even with all that human brokenness, that's what it is. Human brokenness. It's only the Holy Spirit guiding the church and Mary interceding for us and our Lord Jesus continuing to pour himself out. That's not just a one and done deal. It's a constant pouring out of himself. That's one thing that I'm very aware of just in my own personal sinfulness at the Lord. We're continuing to agonize him in a sinful world that is blasphemous and ridicules in ways that even as it's told in the gospel and some of the great depictions and movies of, of really dramatizing what the passion of Christ was like, it still can't capture the reality that through the ages, I mean, one thing that, that I'm very conscious of is that, that God is timeless. I mean, I constantly look at my watch. I'm, our, our phones tell us what time it is. We're so time bound. We need to remember that God is timeless because as I pray about that and reflect on that reality, it makes me more bold. For one thing, one thing that I've said recently and, and just some of the, the teachings and, and classes that I've had or different talks, and I, I mean, I've always loved science and I love the scientific world, but it, it has its limitations and we need to acknowledge that. It cannot give, get to the fullness of the truth. It always can, runs up against the wall. And, and kind of using scientific language, um, I love to remind myself and others that this life, even I just talked to someone who celebrated just this weekend. I was at masses in one of our parishes. And a lady said, just celebrated my mother's 107th birthday. And I, and I, I said, wow, 107 years. Um, and it's bold to live that long, period. But what has struck me is even 107 years, even 200 years is statistically insignificant compared to what we're built for is an eternity with God. And we get so caught up in this statistically insignificant period that we call 
the life of a human being, which is sacred and valuable from conception to natural death. But we need to remember why it's sacred, why it's valuable, because we're built for another kingdom. And we have to be bold enough to know that truth that guides us through all the darkness the world can throw at us. And it throws a lot these days. Boy, uh, you unpacked a beautiful mouthful there, Your, <laughs> your Excellency. I, but a few things stuck out, and I know your time's valuable, so I want to ask you a, a few more before we close. You talked about your strength uh, is the Eucharist and our Blessed Mother. So that explains it one-to-one -one audience. It's the Eucharist and the Blessed Mother uh, that, that enables Bishop Strickland to walk into this world. And you talked about a broken world, and, and we are, we are uh, I guess, with COVID in town, we, we, there seems to be an acceleration with, with extending our lives, et cetera. But, but what, what does the world, and we're not just talking Catholics or Christians, what does the world most need now? Now, we know that the world needs truth. We know that the world needs the Eucharist, but the world, much of the world doesn't understand the Eucharist. Or, but, but the world starves, it seems now, thirst for something real and substantive. And, and I guess at the end of the day, maybe, maybe the answer is truth, but what do you think the world most needs today? Because the world, the world right now is confused. Well, I, I don't know if I can claim to give the answer for what the world needs now. Reminds me of a song from when I was a kid, Love, Sweet Love. And probably that is the answer, but real love. Yeah. Love built in truth. Yeah. Love that is all beauty. Love that is willing the good of the other. We're so lost in what, what we think love is. And so love, truth, beauty, it's all God. I mean, John's gospel says God is love. Love is God. And we believe that. Um, so, in a sense, all of those are what the world needs. And I would add to that, authentically lived love is what the world, we need to model it for each other. We're built to love as God loves us. Um, and we need to, to really focus on modeling that. I fail constantly. I'm a sinner. I go to confession frequently. I need to. and. We all need to, but we need to be striving for that. Um, there, there's so many issues where we lose sight of what is true, what is beautiful, what is real, what is, what is loving in the, the deepest and fullest sense. And I think people literally are starving and desperate for all of that. Yeah, that, that circles us all the way back, Your Excellency, to boldness because love is bold but also my kids are exhausted of this since they came out of the birth canal i've said love isn't love without sacrifice so we, we remember jesus at the last supper washing his apostles feet right before he's about to be slaughtered on the cross and 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 i i guess when the world sees that profound um anchored action of sacrifice in love through your voice as a bishop saying, I don't want to preach or say something as it pertains to the Catholic faith and maybe the manner I'm, I, I'm going to about the vaccine or, or this Jesuit priest traveling around, but I must because I offer myself as an expiation. I'm the good shepherd willing to be slaughtered when the wolf comes. I must stick my neck out for the flock. If I don't, I'm rejecting the burden of my identity. So at the end of the day, we might call boldness, but really it's love. 
Absolutely. And Kevin, you mentioned uh, St. Thomas More earlier, and I, I take him as a great example of boldness, but I guess I would use the word calculated in, in the sense that he was very careful. It's not like he just volunteered to have his head to be beheaded. Um, but when it came to it, he was bold enough and he, he kept walking the walk of boldness in the truth, which if that's where it took him, that's where he was going. But it wasn't like he was volunteering for that. And I think there's a certain boldness in that as well. That And to, to not just sort of make the big splash, but to be willing to just keep walking the truth and recognizing, as we were talking earlier, you know, um, the idea of what's sometimes called a dry or a white martyrdom. I think a lot of us need to embrace that in the world today in the sense that we just need to say, I'm going to take another step in truth, whatever the resistance, whatever the consequences may be. And I can tell you, there have been moments when I've taken the step and I've said, Joe, there are going to be some consequences. But we have to be bold enough to say, I'm going to keep walking this truth. If that walks us to a firing squad or to a beheading, it could happen. I mean, it's happened before in history for people willing to die for the truth, willing to die for real love, willing to die for the beauty of life that God has shared with us. So I think we, all of us, need to keep walking and not shy away from the next step whether as a parent or as a priest or as just a man or woman in the world, being a man or woman um, in that beautiful model that God has given us to be bold enough to say, I'm going to take a, a step of truth. And there may be consequences. Sometimes those may be ultimate consequences for this world. But if it's just limited to this world, the real consequences are for life everlasting and that needs to be our goal yeah well damn the torpedoes so it sounds like it sounds like a man who knows his identity as a bishop uh in exodus 90 man uh, so with that said thank you that was beautiful because that's what it is you just step into it regardless of what might come you just step into it uh, that said we're, we're well past uh our, our time limit here and i don't want uh, bishop strickland to steal too much of father dan's glory um but uh so, so Bishop Strickland was kind enough to endorse the book that's coming out next week, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Um, and and I, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm indebted for that. So for your viewers, on May 20th, uh, Ignatius Press uh, will, will come out with, with Priest and Beggar. So... Um, if you're by the bookstore, if you're by your little click, to click in Amazon.com, wherever you are, um, I'd be I'd be uh, I'd be grateful if you if you understood this bold priest from Washington D.C. that traveled the world, as you know, and watching the One to One podcast and really transformed it. So, with that said, uh, Bishop Strickland, before you lead us out on a blessing, is there anything you want to add? I would just add my encouragement to get priest and beggar because. We need those examples. We need those models of boldness now and in the past. We need to know those saints who remind us to be bold and strong. And, and Father Al is, is on his way to that canonization. 
Thank you, Bishop Strickland. Thank you for your endorsement. And uh, do you mind leading us out in a blessing? Sure. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all of us involved in this podcast, all of us who are seeking to live the truth and the beauty and the power of real love that you offer us through your Son and the power of your Spirit. May the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph intercede for us in beautiful and powerful ways. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank All you. Right. See you next time.